Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm your host, Mary Fran Johnson, CEO of Mary Fran Johnson Media and a contributing writer on CIO.com, where I cover boardroom and career strategy issues. Twice a month, we produce CIO Leadership Live with the generous support of my friends at CIO.com and the CIO Leadership Executive Council. We're streaming live to you right now on our LinkedIn channel and also on our CIO YouTube channel. And we invite any of our viewers who are interested in joining in this conversation today to tap in questions of your own. We have editors watching for them and they will pass them along. And I'm very pleased to uh, welcome today's guest, who is Ifneet Carr, who is the Chief Technology Officer of Silicon Valley Bank. Ivneet joined the bank in January 2020, taking on the dual challenge of creating the first formal CTO organization within the bank and also driving technology modernization work forward to meet the ambitious growth goals that the bank had. Silicon Valley Bank provides global commercial banking services to some of the world's most innovative companies and investors. They are primarily focused in the technology, life science, and healthcare, private equity, venture capital, and the premium wine industries. Since 2020, Silicon Valley Bank has grown from being a top 40 U.S. bank to its current rank among the top 10 in the United States. In Forbes' latest annual list of America's best banks, SVB ranked at number 15 out of, one of, out of the 100 largest publicly traded banks based on growth, credit quality, and profitability. Ivneet's responsibilities as CTO include the overall architecture and technology strategy, basically the whole span of technologies that underpin an ongoing digital and business transformation. As the CTO of the bank, she also played a key role in the technology due diligence and integration work surrounding the $17 billion acquisition last year of Boston Private Bank which grew SVB's own banking business on the private side by 16-fold. Before her current role, Ivneet spent five years in technology leadership roles with Equifax, most recently serving as the CIO and CTO of the company's largest international business units in Australia and New Zealand. And earlier this year in March, she was appointed to the board of directors of sustainableit.org, which is a new nonprofit devoted to advancing global sustainability with technology leadership. Ivneet, it's great to have you here. Busy as you are, welcome. Thank you, Mary Fran. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Let's start out. Silicon Valley Bank brands itself as the financial partner of the innovation economy. And your customers certainly do rank among the leading edge of technology change. Let's start talking with those customers in mind. Tell us how the bank's digital business has had to adapt and advance during these last two years as we as we launch deeper and deeper into our pandemic era. Yeah. So uh, before we go there, I, I want to I want to set up a little bit of a context. So uh, we are we are a forty year old bank. So we have been around for a long time, and we have steadily. Uh, increased our client base and the type of industries uh, we serve. But at the heart of it, we have been and we will be the bank of 
innovation economy. And as Mary Friend mentioned, we bank over 50% of the VC-backed tech and life sciences companies today. Mm-hmm. And in the last two years, uh, even with the pandemic, we have almost doubled in size. So you can, and that is the uh, size of growth, which no commercial bank has seen in US to happen in such a short span of time. So we really have had to uh, dig deep and say, okay, what are we going to do? And we started seeing these signs about three years ago that we are going to have the unprecedented growth. So mm-hmm. we have been prepping up for that. So the way we have done it is we we have doubled down on digital transformation, not just from a client perspective, but also from an employee perspective. We have done strategic acquisitions to broaden our offering. And now we have one of the strongest portfolio of offerings uh, when it comes to innovation economy for all stages of their business. We have invested tremendously in last uh, three years in upskilling our employees. And we have leaned into our clients more and more to provide them support, not only during the pandemic, but also uh, with all this uh, macroeconomic uncertainty that we are going through yes. uh, right now. So for us, the key is that we pride ourselves on being a high touch uh, company where we are able to take our founders from mm-hmm. a two people in a garage all the way to the IPO. But we are we are going where we're going is we're going to be a high touch as well as a high tech company. And that's where the uh, genesis of our digital transformation has happened. We want to be able to do both and do both really, really well. Well, and I thought it was very interesting the way your your own job description, where they brought you in to launch a CTO organization that is essentially essential, essentially essential to driving forward the tech modernization. And I, when we first talked uh, earlier about all of all of this, I was surprised to learn that you have as much of a legacy technology issue to deal with as any other U.S. bank. Just the very name Silicon Valley Bank makes you think of a company that was, well, born online or born on the cloud. Talk about that a little bit, about the tech modernization and why it's necessary. Yes. So the tech modernization for us is necessary to scale, to grow, and to show up for our clients as they expect us to show. As you know, most of our clients are born digital. They they don't have the legacy and they expect from us the capabilities which are on their fingertips from all different channels, whether it's mobile, whether it's online, they expect us to be able to launch new customized products to fit their needs very, very quickly. And we knew Mm -hmm. that we had gaps in those areas. We knew that we needed to do frankly a whole scale bank transformation, not just the technology transformation. And I'll talk about that a little bit. So, uh, so one of the things when uh, when I was interviewing with Silicon Valley Bank, this is exactly what we talked about, that we have such amazing clients, such amazing growth opportunity. And what we need to do is we need to meet our clients where they are. So we really need to relook at our entire technology ecosystem. We need to have the right architecture. We need to have the right standard. We need to have the right platforms on top of which then we can drive whole scale transformation. and you know, it can't get any more exciting than this uh, to be part of a growth company and to be able to drive uh, these kind of things forward uh, with the bank. So that um, 
So that has been, uh, that was the genesis of starting the organization uh, that we have in place from a CTO perspective. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's been a wonderful journey so far. We have been able to move the bank in a completely different direction. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But okay. I also wanted to uh, uh, to answer Mary Fran's question. So for us, it has not just been about technology transformation. You have to think about culture transformation. You have to think about talent transformation. You also have mm -hmm. to think about not just your customer-facing systems, but you have to uh, transform the way you do financials. You have to transform the way you have your HR systems, your employee mm -hmm. productivity. Uh, and so we, as and your risk uh, transformation as well, uh, because we now are also an LFI. So an with, LFI with being... Uh, large the large, financial, large financial institutions, institutions. Uh, you know, over two hundred fifty billion dollars in um, assets, and we are in that category now. So the expectations mm -hmm. from regulators are also very different than what they were two years ago. Uh, so, so we have had to, you know, do a wholesale transformation for our risk and compliance capabilities as well. So mm -hmm. we. Uh, we are going to be a completely different company and we are already a completely different company than we were three years ago as we have had these transformations going on in all of these areas. Mm -hmm. Tell me how, so this is a, a truly unique experience in your own career, starting an entire CTO organization from the ground up. Um, but it's a, it's not a technology organization that's there for keeping the lights on and making sure everything is operational. It's uh, it's almost like, uh, it seems like a new wrinkle on the idea of what a CTO organization is driving forward. You knew that coming in that that was needed. Did you get to essentially design the way that would go? How do you how do you do that in partnership with the other technology and business leaders? I guess is what I'm asking. Yes, uh, that's a great question, Mary friend. And uh, fortunately, yes, I started when we actually started to redesign the uh, operating model for the entire technology organization. So uh, Phil Cox, who is our amazing COO. Um, he's the one uh, who uh, kicked this off, the entire technology operating model uh, transformation. Mm -hmm. And I joined right at the start of it. So what we had to decide was uh, a few things. One, uh, we we still wanted to make sure that SVB's values are front and center of everything. Okay. Regardless of the operating model change, we pride ourselves a lot on our values and we wanted to make sure that we took those into account, our values and culture, Mm -hmm. even if we were defining a completely new technology operating model. Uh, second thing we wanted to make sure was to have a right blend of centralizing and federating things. And there are some things you will do for a short term. You will centralize them and then you will federate them. And third thing it was, which is one of the most important thing is uh, figuring out, do we have the right talent? How we were going to upskill the existing talent and how we were going to infuse the change agents in the entire organization to bring all of this to life. Okay. And last, having uh, very, very clear goals. Where were we going? What was our North Star? And what were we going to achieve in year one, year two, year three? So bringing these five things together mm -hmm. was uh, part of defining the operating model and then 
launching the organization and then measuring the effectiveness on the entire business. Okay. So you are entering what would be year three in this CTO organization creation and transformation. Tell, give me a few examples of the kind of things you were able to accomplish in years one and two. What do you have in your rear view mirror now that has been a big success? I would say uh, one of the biggest success I would call out is building an amazing team. I've been very fortunate that uh, the team that we have now is, uh, it's a world-class team of engineers and technologists and uh, leaders uh, who was able to set SVB on a completely different path. And I learned from them every day. So very fortunate to have the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, second thing I would say is delivering real business value. So one of the things we were very careful about was that we did not want to set goals which were just tech for tech. So we set the goals which were going to have real impact on the bottom line and also on the uh, business needs and also on our risk and compliance posture. So we set the goals that we will increase our speed to market. We will significantly improve our developer experience and developer productivity. We okay. will do cost avoidance and we will significantly reduce our risk and put us on a path to uh, you know, meet our regulatory or exceed our regulatory needs from a risk and compliance perspective. So when mm-hmm. I look back now, uh, we have made tremendous progress in all of those areas uh, mm-hmm. with all the capabilities that we have been building and partnering uh, with the other uh, tech groups in SVB. We, we have been able to show that we can go to market 15 to 20% faster. We are able to show that our developers are 30% more productive and are able to spend more time on doing the things which the business needs versus focusing on things uh, which are not value-add from our clients' perspective by uh, building platforms and driving a huge amount of automation. Uh, We are able to show to our regulators that we have really uh, solid standards, architecture, and design and policies Mm -hmm. in place uh, to take the bank to that next level. And and lastly, we are able to work with our finance partners to show that this is good business. This impacts Mm -hmm. our bottom line. So you have to think of all the constituencies, its product, risk, finance, organization, and have the goals which resonate with them and you partner with them to Mm -hmm. then bring all these things to life. Right. Well, and you, and you mentioned a few times, you mentioned the importance of the values and the culture at Silicon Valley Bank. Do your best to define for me what that means. What does the culture, you worked at Equifax for several years and other big financial companies, and they have their own particular approach and their culture and, and what people believe in and what they're working toward. What is it about SVB that has felt different to you or is notable or helps you draw some of that talent in what has got to be one of the most fiercest and competitive areas in the world in Silicon Valley? So uh, tell us what it is about the culture that brings people, brings technology talent to you. Yeah, so I would say a couple of things. One, um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to work for really, really great companies, um, Equifax had an amazing culture and uh, it was very, very client centric and we took care of people. So 
Uh, it was a privilege to work there as well. Um, but when I look at S SVB, it's it's truly one of those companies which which is a values first company. Every conversation that we start at the bank, no matter which level we are, uh, it's it always starts with the values. Mm -hmm. And one of our biggest values, which you know, uh, which I don't see in many places, is we start with empathy for others. So I love that value that we actually start with empathy for each other, and we start with empathy for our clients, and that is you know one of the cornerstones. And we have other values about integrity and learning and uh, improving and embracing diverse perspective and taking responsibility. Mm -hmm. uh, but the empathy is what resonates with me the most. And every time our CEO is doing a town hall, every time any of the executive committee members is talking, that's a reminder to all of us who we are. This is how we show up for others. Mm -hmm. This is how we make decisions. So values are at the heart of making those decisions. And just, you know, all of us hold them sacred and we take care of those things. And this starts from the top. So it's just, we uh, we just don't use those words. We actually put them in practice and those are valued at SVB at every different level. So when we talk to the talent that we are trying to bring in, people don't come in just for, frankly, doing the uh, working in the best technologies, they don't just come for money. They want to come at a place where they can be themselves. Uh, They're treated with respect. They get to do good work and they get to have a really good culture to mm -hmm. thrive in. Yes. And then on top of that, when you say, look at the type of clients that you're going to help, look at the companies mm. which are making difference in the world in so many different areas and we are their partners in helping them be successful for us that's been a, a combination of our values and our story has been a winning combination to mm -hmm. attract really great talent yeah do you have many worries about really great talent being poached by some of your really great clients i would imagine that <laughs> I wonder, I, do you have any kind of like no fly zones with your partners where you say, yes, you're working with some fabulous people here. Please don't steal them for your startup. No, <laughs> no we, uh, you know, we, we believe in ourselves. We believe that mm -hmm. we provide a really great place for people to come and work and do really amazing work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then you have to let the individual be the individual and see mm -hmm. what needs their career and life choices. So if they do want to go work for one of our clients, that's absolutely mm -hmm. that's absolutely okay. We have to do our best in making sure that we are doing everything possible to retain, maintain, and grow our talent. Yes. Well, and, and in some ways, especially for an organization like yours and where you are situated in the business world, having something of a revolving door would probably be a really good practice. You know, people know that they can leave and then they can come back. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the customer-facing transformation work. Uh, you had mentioned when we spoke earlier about uh, digital client onboarding being something that has changed significantly in the last two years. Tell us about that. Yeah, so, um, and as I was telling you before, that we have uh, we have boarded more clients in third quarter than we have ever boarded in our 
history. So client onboarding is a really, really critical area for us. Yes. We want to make sure that we have a really awesome uh, digital experience. And that is something we have been working on for the last uh, couple of years. So the challenges we had was... Uh, you know, the systems we previously had were, uh, they had a little bit more of a swivel chair kind of uh, yeah. uh, flavor that uh, where an email will come and then you have to talk to somebody else and then the client will get an email back and then there's a ton of back and forth and not yeah. a very seamless experience. And then we were also not able to uh, give them a holistic experience that okay, now that we have onboarded to, onboarded you and now here is the other product you're going to really need as one of your first product and having that entire user persona and life cycle mm -hmm. in mind for our clients. Uh, so we we did a lot of research. We did, uh, you know, really, uh, I would say, a detailed user design session. Mm -hmm. And we now have, uh, I would like to think, a really compelling global digital onboarding platform which is which is giving our not our customer not only our customers a great experience but also our associates because okay. because we have some of some unique complexities where our um, uh, our clients could for even a single company could be in multiple countries so you actually have to think yeah. about yeah a multi-jurisdiction challenge, regulatory challenge, tax challenge, all of those challenges when mm -hmm. you're onboarding the clients, which is where the client experience matters, but also the experience at the back end matters a lot. So we had to look yes. at both of those things and digitize that entire experience to make it uh, uh, seamless for both sides. Yes. Well, you had mentioned all the um, the new digital capabilities how important they are in dealing with the new regulatory demands that you have from government organizations and so forth, becoming a large financial institution. Um, how has how has the technology modernization helped with that process? Is it simply better tools to do things a little faster, or is it a, a, a truly a business process kind of transformation at work there? I would say it's a truly business process transformation at work. As we are going through our overall modernization, we know that we don't want to just digitize things which are existing. So for example, we are looking at how do we do loans today? How do we do deposits today? Are they still mm -hmm. valid? What can we change in our business processes so that we can have the right technology strategy and then the right technology platform so that we are set up, we are setting ourselves up for future. What okay. we want to do is we want to be able to have an entire ecosystem which can evolve with the times, not that, okay, we are going to take what's there and now we are going to automate it. That's not the approach we are mm -hmm. taking. Okay. We are starting it from business goals, business process first, and then uh, doing the technology roadmap on top of that. Okay. Now, from what I understand, there's uh, the bank employs uh, worldwide about 7,700 people, and close to half of those are employed in the our technology organization folks. Is that about uh, right? Uh, but no, it's uh, it's a little bit less. So we have about three three thousand people from a tech okay. perspective, and it's a mix of uh, full time employees and our uh, contingent 
resources. Oh, okay. And, and contractors and that sort of thing. How does the CTO organization, how do you interact with other parts of the technology organization? Is, is your green, grown from a greenfield group, the kind of, uh, do you do you have a lot of the other folks in the tech organization knocking on the door saying, I want to work on this leading edge stuff that is also tech modernization? Or I, talk a little bit about the structure of the, the technology organization and the different groups. Yeah, so I would say we, <clears throat> as a, we have a unique position in the bank because we have to interact with the business and product mm-hmm. as well as the other uh technology uh, partners. So for example, our architecture group is uh, embedded or very well plugged in with our product and business group so that they can define the product strategy and technology strategy and figure out what the path forward is for us from an end state perspective. Mm -hmm. Then we have other parts of this group which are building the enterprise engineering platforms which are getting used by the other technology organizations in the bank so those are those are also our stakeholders so we we are i would say we wear all the hats we have to talk to the business and product organizations to make sure that we have the right tech strategy um and then we have to work with the other organizations to make sure we are giving them the capabilities which are going to increase their speed to market and productivity and risk reduction. And then the last hat which we wear is continuous conversations with our regulators to give keep them apprised of how our modernization journey is going, where we are, uh, what are the next steps in that. But I, I, it's it's amazing how good and productive those relationships are. You know, you can the and the reason for that what i would like to um, say is because for the most part at svb we are approaching a problem with this is a problem we need to solve together okay this is not your problem this is not my problem this is the bank's problem that we need to solve together and we figure out the most optimal and effective ways to work together on that and to the question that you were ask, uh, asking, if the other people are knocking on the door on the working on the cutting edge technologies, absolutely. Innovation is not just responsibility of one group. We okay. make sure that we create space for those people to be able to partner um, and also provide the guidance as well as the engineering talent so that we are doing these things together versus creating different classes, if you will. Okay. Well, and that's very much a part of the <clears throat> empathetic team kind of based culture that you have liked so much since you joined the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, What are the areas uh, that we talked about this uh, as well, <clears throat> about how everybody is after certain types of talent, anything in the AI and data science areas, very much front and center <clears throat> with technology leaders. What are the areas that you have the most difficulty hiring people in and how do you approach that? Do you have any any wonderful trade secrets to share with some of our listeners today about, oh, you can't hire people in this area, try that? Uh, so <laughs> no trade secrets, just good old <laughs> basics, I would say. So okay. I would say we have had, uh, we have had challenges in a, a couple of areas uh, which are... Um, so 
you know, you, you talked about the data engineering space. That is absolutely a hard area for us where we have had uh, challenges finding uh, talent. Second is uh, cloud. And third is, I would say, even in the API space, that is, so all these three areas are where, uh, you know, there's a lot of need uh, for great talent across mm -hmm. the board in every single company that you um, think about. And I would say fourth is now becoming where you have risk and compliance experts, which you wouldn't think about, but that's that's another area where, you know, we, we as a bank have to think about bringing in really uh, a different kind of talent for us to, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, sustain and maintain and uh, that LFI posture. So I would say we have used a couple of approaches which have been very successful. One, we have a we in the last uh, two and a half years we have uh, set up a really wonderful learning and training program huh? because okay. our our approach hasn't been that we need to bring everybody new. We have had already some really really great people. And we want to make sure that uh, one, we're living the value of learning and improving, and we are uh, giving our associate the opportunity and tools and time to learn the new skills. So we have stood a very robust learning training certification mm -hmm. program to upskill our existing talent. And then we have infused uh, the bank with change agents and the new talent to accelerate that journey. And uh, the way uh, I would say one of the things which has worked in our favor in hiring the new talent is that there's still not a lot of places where uh, this uh, amount of transformation and this scale of transformation is happening where you get to build these capabilities, these platforms, these mm -hmm. products from scratch. So okay. that has helped us a lot in where people can come and say, okay, I'm not going to, it's, I don't have to just work on the existing and just do enhancements. Right. I get to do a wholesale build out and transformation while learning the new skills. Mm -hmm. So those two things uh, have helped us a lot. And uh, we believe that we are going to continue following mm -hmm. that strategy and give people the opportunity, frankly, to become more employable. <laughs> I know, I know, which might seem like you're working against your own best interests, but really not. Um, are these are the kind of products you're talking about? Are these things that um, technologists work on that are actually products offered externally to customers of the bank? Or is most of this is this internal technologies for your associates? It's both. Oh, OK. So uh, so we have, uh, as I said, since we have transformation going on in every mm -hmm. area and technology invariably underpins a lot of that uh, transformation. So uh, we are transforming the internal systems of the bank, whether it's finance, HR, uh, marketing to some degree, uh, and also the external systems, whether it's payments, it's um, uh, you know, uh, continuing and uh, really accelerating our cloud and API journey across those areas. Uh, digital onboarding we talked about, but also digital servicing, uh, and then becoming more global. As you know, we have expanded significantly in UK. We were a branch, and now because of the size of asset increases, now we are a subsidiary. So the the needs for uh, tech products, tech solutions. Uh, is growing as the need for the overall product and solutions grows globally for us. Okay. 
Okay. So it's, it's just not a bad time to be in banking. And so no, not, not at Silicon Valley bank. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, let's talk about some more specific uh, strategic business and tech priorities going forward. I know you're, you're entering year three in this, the technology modernization and um, the way these transformations often start out the accelerating factor keeps building and building. So as you look at things the way they are going into year three of this mission, what is shifting up your priority list in terms of um, the next big strategic uh, element you're working on? Yeah, so look, our I, I would say our core priorities have not changed. So they mm-hmm. have been be the number one partner to our clients in the target markets, Mm-hmm. continue our digital and data transformation and enhance our talent and advance DEI at SVB and even in the larger innovation community. One of the things which we are going to put a huge amount of focus in modernizing mm-hmm. uh, along with these things is our risk and compliance posture ah, okay. and, and, and our cybersecurity posture. We believe that, uh, or I personally definitely believe that those these things are uh, done right give us a unique strategic advantage. Mm-hmm. We're a bank. We're in the business of managing risk. So even though you know our clients will not see these capabilities, these capabilities matter to our clients a lot. Yes. We want to make sure that we are very, very good at managing our risk and security and compliance. And technology can play a huge role in... Um, building these uh, capabilities in an industry-leading way and creating that strategic strategic advantage for SVB. So I would say that is something we're going to focus a lot more um, in the coming year along with the other priorities that I talked about. Well, and is that is what you're referring to in building, uh, I think you called it um, building out the the, the muscle and, and the, around uh, risk and compliance. Um, is that an outflow from the API architecture that you're that is being generated as part of the data engineering work? Um, I guess I'm looking for a specific example of what sort of building activities around that risk and compliance area. Um, what is the kind of newest and coolest thing that you're doing there? <laughs> uh, I don't know about the newest and coolest, but I'll give you an example. For example, okay. when you think about risks and issues in a company, you have to have a way to manage those risks and issues. You have to have put them in the right workflow. You have to be able to assign the right risk rating to them. And then you have to be able to manage them through that entire workflow, generate evidences and uh, prove that you're doing things right. Now that entire ecosystem Mm -hmm. requires many, many different technologies to come together. It requires a GRC platform. It requires really good DevSecOps practices. It requires uh, uh, cyber uh, tooling and platforms. Mm -hmm. So that entire ecosystem Mm -hmm. is where we have a lot of building going on. Yes. So it's how do you as the CTO, how do you just personally stay on the leading edge of all of these different technologies and things that are breaking? I mean, you've been in financial services for a while, but banking is is newer to you. So how do you keep yourself 
well-informed about this? I I continuously talk to people smarter than me. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> uh, so a few things. And, and I, uh, even though I'm joking about it, but really one of the ways, at least my learning style is that I... I go talk to people who I know are experts who know more than I do, whether they're within my team, outside of my team, industry experts. So I reach out to them a lot for advice mm-hmm. and guidance and for staying on uh, top of those things. And then okay. I, I believe all of us uh, read, uh, you know, Harvard Business Review and Gardner and all the other uh, uh, areas and items which are out there. Um, and then uh, listening to uh, tech podcasts. But my primary mean of staying uh, up to date is really, really listening to and talking to industry experts, Mm -hmm. both in the tech space and also in the banking space about new trends and everything that's going to be coming at us. Okay, that makes sense. Um, The... Are there any specific technologies that are playing a bigger and bigger role in your modernization work? For instance, heading into maybe a multi-cloud environment. I think you mentioned that uh, the intention was eventually to have 80 to 90% of your um, workload SaaS and cloud-based. Talk about where you are in that journey. Yeah, and I would say our intention is still the same. We we declared ourselves that we will be cloud first. That is something we did when we set our overall uh, modernization strategy for the bank. Uh, so the first thing you do is you make sure that you have the right foundations, that you have uh, you have the cloud platform on top of which you can actually launch application, the platform which is secure, well-managed, uh, financially optimized, all of that. So that's the work uh, we have done and we have continued to do. And now we have been launching both internal and customer facing applications on top of that platform. So we are we are on our way there and we still wanna make sure that in next uh, you know three to five years, majority of our workloads are in our enterprise cloud platform, which we have built on top of AWS. So we chose AWS mm-hmm. as our primary cloud providers. We do have some presence in Azure as a result of the acquisitions. Uh, you know, you you invariably get different technologies as you do acquisitions. So uh, we are in the process of evaluating them to see, okay, do we need to keep anything and uh, or, or moving them to AWS? But largely we want to make sure that uh, we are very, very good at one cloud. Okay. If mm-hmm. we think at if we think it more holistically, and we put the entire landscape together, we are already multi-cloud. We use mm-hmm. Office three sixty five, which is sure. Microsoft. We use many, many uh, SaaS products and platform, which could mm-hmm. live in any cloud. So mm-hmm. for SVB developed and owned applications. AWS is our primary provider. Okay. But overall, I would say we are already a multi-cloud uh, company and we have a very thoughtful approach to how we make those decisions on, uh, you know, what do we go with SaaS? What do we build ourselves? And how do we make sure that we're staying true to the cloud first approach? Yes. 
Excellent. Let me pivot around to a different type of issue with you now. Uh, changing priorities with your C-suite and your board around ESG, environmental, societal governance issues. I know that the that's a, a big personal interest of yours, and we'll talk about that a little bit as well. But I think that from what I've read about what SVB does, the ESG issues are a huge part of the value proposition. Um, that idea of building a culture of diversity about equity and inclusion, of course, but also the corporate governance and sustainability in the world. I think that um, SVB recently announced its commitment to pro provide $5 billion in sustainable finance uh, financing, and then to and set a goal to achieve carbon neutral operations by 2025. Um, tell me what role your organization plays in delivering on that. Yeah, uh, and it's it's as you said, it's very near and dear to my heart, and we'll talk about that in a little bit as well as to why. Mm -hmm. But from an SVB perspective, I am really really proud uh, of the work that we are doing, uh, along with announcing. Uh, the money part, uh, it's, uh, you know, we are also, uh, we are also a company where we, where we fund these companies who are going to bring more sustainability to the world in many, many different ways. So we, uh, we have a very vibrant, I would say, sustainable mm -hmm. tech clientele. Uh, who we are committed to funding. So we have a lot of companies who are doing really, really great work. From yes. within SVB's perspective, uh, where we stand is we are going, at, cloud is a huge part of it. So for us, reducing our data center footprint and moving our workloads to cloud to get to that carbon neutral posture mm -hmm. is a portion where technology plays a huge role. Then technology also plays a huge role in figuring out, uh, uh, you know, as we are, uh, you know, as we are figuring out what our future of office spaces is going to look like oh, and how yes. technology is going to help make sure that we have more sustainable yet collaborative and effective workplaces. That's where also tech comes in to make sure that we, mm -hmm. we look at not just the cost effectiveness, but also the sustainability as we are coming up with those new solutions as the world around us mm -hmm. has changed and is changing. Yes. Well, and it, it earlier in the pandemic, I often spent a good 10 or 15 minutes talking with CIOs in these conversations about how they were managing the hybrid remote workplace transitions. I'd fill us in on what you're doing right now at SVB. It's probably changed a couple of times in the last two and a half years, but what is your current policy around that, around workplaces and how often people come in and, you know, that all of that uh, workplace of the future issues, as we often call them in the tech industry? Yeah, to be honest with you, I would say we are all, we are, we are all figuring it out. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but one thing we realize as a company is that a hybrid and flexible work is here to stay. Yes. And we believe that companies which will provide that flexibility will have an edge when it comes to mm -hmm. talent retention. The other thing we have a very, uh, I would say, deep realization is that there is not going to be a one size fits all. We will mm -hmm. have to think about different scenarios and tailor our strategies based on that. 
So one of the things that we have done and we continue to do is that we have turned our uh, in-person workspaces into a more of a collaboration spaces. Okay. And people can come in, people can bond, people can work on, um, you know, strategic items together and uh, they can decide. So the groups can decide mm-hmm. how often do they want to come into work for what purposes do they want to come into work. So we have given that flexibility so far to our employee population based on what we heard from them. Mm-hmm. We, we But we also know that there is a lot of value in people coming together yes. uh, and meeting in person, especially, I mean, think about it. We have hired probably close to 3,000 new people in last two and a half years, if not more. Uh, I may I may be actually off on the number there. Wow. And a lot of these people have never met each other. Uh, I know. I hired 100% of my team remotely. Yeah. And That's- I only met them, most of them, this year. Yeah, that's so, one of the that's one of the new weirdnesses of this pandemic era that it's right. it's almost a, a cause for celebration when you get to be in the same room with someone. Well, especially if you're a little bit extroverted or even a lot <laughs> extroverted. Um, so I, we are, yeah, so we have been creating very I would say intentional opportunities mm-hmm. for people to come together, and that is something we uh, continue to plan to do. That uh, one. Yes, you come together for doing the work which you need to do together and, you know, you can solve problems together, Mm -hmm. but also just the opportunities for people to come together and just bond. Yes, exactly. That's equally important, especially when you have never met each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, and you don't get to see people often. So um, overall for us, being hybrid and being flexible is something we are going to continue to do. We are going to continue to create intentional opportunities for people to come together. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have a multi-pronged strategy view on what works in what case. Yes, yes. And I think you're exactly right that it is developing over time. I mean, especially uh, technologists who are early in their career and may see themselves one day being an if need core and and having that CTO role at some point you have to develop the kind of person to person leadership skills that can only be done in the real world. So I do think that 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 we're probably going to head that way and deal with all those those hurdles as we come to them. I want to pivot back to the sustainability thing, though. We, uh, you had I'd mentioned in your intro that you recently joined the board of SustainableIT.org, which is a, a new nonprofit. It's got a couple, I think, two dozen uh, other CIOs and CTOs on the uh, board of directors from big insurance companies and other banks and pharma providers and retailers and big tech. Why did you why did you end up joining that board and what are you all up to? What are you what what are you going to solve about sustainability <laughs> in the world now that we get this incredibly high-powered group of tech executives, uh uh CIOs and CTOs together? What is the mission there? Yeah, so um the reason uh, I'll answer your first question, then I'll answer your second question. So the so when uh, uh so I, I talked to um uh, 
Zed and Dave Best, who were uh, basically uh, looking for board members to join. And when I heard uh, them, uh, what they were what they were talking about doing was how do we make how do we use tech to make sustainability actionable? Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love the I would say the mission that there is. Uh, you know, there is a there is a lot of things out there. You know, you're doing an ESG sustainability report. Here is this mm-hmm. standard. Here is that standard, and there are so many challenges. It's when all it, over the map, it's yeah. all over the map. It's mm-hmm. you know, you can't get the data. You are basically maybe only doing a paper report, and you don't really know. You are are you really making a difference? Yes. Or what is the path for you to make a difference? How do we give you? Uh, that blueprint, that actionable plan, and use technology to solve those problems. Yes, and that, uh, and then the second reason was growing up in India. I have, I've grown up without running water, so I know what mm-hmm. climate change can do. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. when uh, in, in not, you know, living in a country like U.S., which here also we are dealing with impacts of climate change. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, having the opportunity to do something truly actionable and make uh, a difference in a small way. And uh, also my personal experience uh, played a huge part into uh, joining the cause, as I would like to say it. And then of course, working with all these amazingly smart people from whom I'm going to learn so much and I'm already learning so much. Uh, you know, those were the reasons that I joined. And we have already made so much progress in that area, even in coming together only two or three times that uh, now we are, uh, now we are, we are actually talking about the top level measurements. And then we are going to get into how, what kind of technology can help you measure those things and how we are going to partner with the standards organization. So there's a lot of work going on uh, there, which is exciting. And I I do hope we can play our small part in solving this huge problem. Well, and I, if I, I, and this shows my bias towards CIOs and technology leaders in general, but if you're going to have anybody working on a problem like this and bringing technology to bear, which is such an underpinning of everything we do in life now, it certainly makes a lot of sense to get um, a, a very diverse group of technology leaders together to say, and what can you do for this? You know, what are the standards that we need? Because ultimately, as laws and regulations get passed by different govern- governments, the boards and the C-suites are going to turn to the technology organizations to provide that data. As you know, we talked about all the regulatory and compliance regulations that are such an important part of what you do with your CTO organization. This is really just another kind of a more futuristic flavor, I think, of where everything is headed. Um, last, uh, almost last, second to last question for you. What emerging tech trends are of the greatest interest to you now? I often throw this out and I mentioned blockchain or cryptocurrencies or the metaverse. I believe you do a certain amount of exploring in the metaverse area. So tell me what is top on your list. Uh, so I'm going to answer this question differently, and I'm not going to call out either AI or blockchain or metaverse. So yes, okay. we do support you know innovation economy companies in all those three areas. But yes. okay, for me, the tech for sustainability 
is something I am really excited about. You know, there are just so many new companies which are coming, the tech and innovation companies, which are going to really help us get to a different place uh, for the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Second thing uh, I would say is all the new and amazing tech that we have coming for managing cyber threats, which is a huge problem for not just the financial services industry, but for world at large, Mm -hmm. essentially. So, so I, for me, those two are very exciting areas to be watching out and seeing what's happening in those areas Mm -hmm. and staying on top of that. And overall, I would say the, the very specialized vertical tech capabilities, which are getting created in different areas um, for solving specific problems in new and innovative ways. Mm-hmm. is is the areas which I am very, very interested in personally and professionally both. Okay. Well, and it's certainly with your position on the board at sustainableit.org, that's certainly not a bad place to be to learn more about it. And that also fits in with your favorite method of learning, which is talking to lots of other smart people. <laughs> okay, very last question for you today, Avneet. Um, What has the pandemic, the two and a half years that we've been slogging through this, what has this taught you as a leader or has changed in your leadership style? And I know it's partly unfair because you took on a brand new company and a whole different mission as you entered in the to, to the pandemic. But what were the unexpected benefits of any of that? How has that had an impact on how you lead today? Yeah, that's a great question, Mary Fran. And um, so, look, I think one of the things I've become more and more aware of it that we don't know what's going on in people's lives at home. We don't see these people Mm -hmm. every day. We don't get to stop by their desks and say hello and ask. So checking in more. So that is one thing I have learned and try to do a lot more. So checking in more via multiple different channels, whether it's texts, it's phone calls, it's a chat, it's Mm -hmm. uh, an email, just to make sure that I ask how people are doing Mm-hmm. And I do that a lot more often than you had to do when you were in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say that that is something which a uh, pandemic has definitely taught me to do more of and do it slightly differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing is, I would say I have to pay now a lot of extra attention to reading people's body language on Zoom and video calls mm-hmm. than I had to before. It mm-hmm. was very different when you can actually see somebody and you know in 10 seconds you can tell and see the body language it's hard to do that on zoom so you really have to mm-hmm. be mindful present and pay attention and then decide the type of conversation that you're going to have yeah. uh, and really figure out is the person or the group in the frame of mind to have that conversation so i would say those two have been um realizations for me, which I did not have before when we were mostly going to office. Yes. Every day. That's great. Well, and I think a lot of CIOs, especially since technology leaders and technologists themselves are mostly fairly, they're they're thoughtful, well-educated, generally introverted. And so a lot of the things that you could take for granted that would surface in in in-person meetings 
uh, it's, it is a lot harder to get to that information now. So I think that that's a great, that's a great observation. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful having you here today. We've covered a million different subjects and you've been great on all of them. So I really appreciate you doing this with me today. Um, Thanks so much. And we will talk again soon. I'm I'm very interested in how things go with your work at sustainableit.org. Thank you very much, Mary Fran. It has been wonderful talking to you. Thank you for having me. All right. And good luck with all your future endeavors at Silicon Valley Bank. If you joined us late today, don't despair. You can watch this full episode later today here on LinkedIn on the CIO online channel, but also you can find us on CIO.com and on the YouTube CIO channel itself. CIO Leadership Live is also available as an audio podcast wherever you find your podcasts. And I hope that you've enjoyed this conversation today as much as I have with Chief Technology Officer Ivneet Carr of Silicon Valley Bank. I'm looking forward to seeing you at our next Leadership Live, which will be with CIO Tai Tashtepe of Cedar Fair Entertainment. And we'll be back the week after Thanksgiving on Wednesday, November 30th at noon Eastern. Thanks again for joining us and do take a moment to subscribe to CIO's YouTube channel so that you can find all of our shows on there. I think we're we're inching up toward 100 of these CIO leadership lives that have been happening since late 2018. So we have all the previous episodes of CIO Leadership Live there on the YouTube channel as well. Wishing you all a very happy Thanksgiving holiday. Stay well, and we'll see you here next time. Thanks.